0: Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the biological mind by Dr. Alan Jasanoff. This enlightening read challenges the cerebral mystique, a pervasive idea suggesting that our minds are separate entities from our bodies and environments. Dr. Jasanoff, a respected professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and a trailblazer in neuroscience, dismantles this notion. Using the latest findings from neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy. The biological mind presents a compelling argument that the essence of our self perception is far more intricate than commonly believed, ideal for those who revel in scientific exploration. Armchair philosophers intrigued by the nature of consciousness, and individuals seeking a deeper comprehension of their own mental faculties. This book promises to reshape your understanding of the human mind. Join us as we explore the intricacies of our brain and how it interacts with the world around us. A journey guided by one of the leading minds in contemporary neuroscience. The Biological Mind How brain, body, and environment collaborate to make us who we are. Introduction Explore the mind-body symphony, understanding ourselves beyond the brain. Think for a moment about the essence of your being. Where would you say your personality resides? Common wisdom points straight to the brain, the supposed seat of the soul. This long-held conception splits the mind from the body. But hold that thought. Modern science paints a far more intricate picture. What if I told you that the story of your consciousness is far more than just the tale of synapses firing in a cranial command center? Indeed, recent neuroscientific research reveals that our brain is not an isolated control room. Rather, it's more like the maestro in an orchestra while our bodies and environments play the instruments. Let's dive into a realm where the physical meets the psychological where the boundaries blur between thought and sensation. What you'll discover is a vibrant world where your gut plays a role as an advisor to your decisions, where the flicker of light or the texture of a chair influences your mood, setting the stage with accessible language and powerful metaphors. Let's tease apart the profound implications of this intertwined existence, where the brain is just one part of a grander, more holistic self. Through this journey, you'll uncover insights into the surprising ways our digestive systems can influence our thoughts and emotions, the reasons why science reporting can sometimes lead us astray, and the intriguing thought experiment of existing solely as a brain without a body. Prepare to rethink the boundaries of your mind as we embark on a quest to redefine what it means to be you in a world where body and mind harmonize to create the unique symphony of your experience. Part one, unraveling the cerebral mystique, the brain as a delicacy and a deity. Imagine a dish served at the dawn table of humanity, a hearty nourishing stew made not from root vegetables or tender meat, but from the brain itself. It's not fiction, but historical fact. Early humans devoured this organ with gusto, treasuring the dense nutrients enveloped in folds of neural tissue. Today, however, the very thought might send shivers down your spine. Herein lies a potent lesson. The brain, for all its biological functions, has been elevated to a divine-like status in our collective consciousness. It's seen not merely as an organ, but as the home of human essence, the wellspring of intellect, the cradle of the soul. The key message here is that many people view the brain not simply as a biological organ, but as a transcendental entity. This perception began to gain momentum in the 1800s with Franz Gall, the German brain enthusiast who thrust the brain into the cultural limelight with phrenology. The practice, though pseudoscientific, suggested a person's abilities and traits could be divined from the bumps on their head. Its influence was profound figures from Lincoln to Whitman submitted to its measures, and society's elite hoarded brains in jars as if they were relics of the highest order. Phrenology may have faded, but its successor, the cerebral mystique, has dug its heels deep into society's psyche. Even today, we envisage the brain with a quasi-religious awe, haloed in the glow of scientific imagery, untouched, radiant, a beacon of mystery. As this narrative unfolds, will dismantle some illusions, will confront the persistent narrative that roots the brain as a solitary actor on the stage of human existence, independent of the corporeal form it inhabits. Prepare to embark on a voyage to rediscover the brain, not as a cosmic vessel of consciousness but as an intrinsic part of our physical selves. Marvellous, yes, but also wonderfully mundane. Part 2. The Brain an organic marvel beyond the computer metaphor. Envision the brain, not as a celestial marvel or an enigmatic puzzle, but for what it truly is, a tangible, operational organ, much like the heart or liver, pulsating with life. The brain has been cast in the role of various high-tech contraptions throughout history, compared to everything from chariots to telephone switchboards. Now it's likened to a computer, an interface of memory storage and data processing. At a superficial level, the comparison holds water. The brain does indeed resemble modern computing, with its capacity for memory, its electrical impulses, and its complex network reminiscent of circuitry. It's tempting, therefore, to think of it as a cerebral processor executing programmed instructions detached from physical constraints. But let's dig deeper. Here is the key message. The brain is much like any other organ in its wet, messy nature and is governed by a complex blend of chemical dynamics. When we label the brain as a computer, we unwittingly endorse a certain scientific dualism, separating the brain from the body as if it operates in an exalted realm of its own. However, such dualism fails to capture the essence of the brain's true nature, organic, fluid, and intricate. Imagine holding a brain, feeling its heft and texture, It not cold and impersonal. It's warm, vascular, soaked in blood, and bathed in cerebrospinal fluid rich with ions, nutrients, and signaling molecules critical for operation. Far from the rigid silicon logic of machines, the brain's activity is enmeshed in this biological soup. And while neurons, those electrically charged cells, claim the lion's share of fame, they're not flying solo. Half of the brain's mass is composed of glial cells, once dismissed as mere scaffolding, but now recognized as essential participants in the brain's cognitive chorus. Consider an illuminating study from the University of Rochester. Mice, when infused with human glial cells, displayed remarkable cognitive enhancement, solving mazes with swift acuity compared to their unenhanced counterparts. It's a complex portrait indeed. But our aim shouldn't be to elevate the brain's complexity to mythical status. Instead, let's appreciate it as a biological wonder intimately fused to our physical existence. As we venture into the next section, we'll shed light on why embracing the brain's biological roots is crucial for truly understanding its capacities and our own identity. Part 3. Demystifying the Brain's Intricacy, the Road to Understanding The brain's complexity can be as intimidating as it is fascinating. With its labyrinthine network of neurons and synapses, it's no wonder top neuroscientists like Christoph Koch hail it as the most complex object in the known universe. The statistics alone are staggering. Trillions of synaptic connections form a nebula of potential pathways, each neuron a star in the cerebral cosmos. Facing such an intricate organ, it's hardly surprising that some retreat to the comfort of mystical interpretations. However, there's a crucial message hidden beneath the intimidating numbers. The key message, although the brain boasts a convoluted structure, unlocking its functions is within reach. Let's demystify these figures. Granted, the human brain houses billions of neurons, yet it doesn't require the full battalion to function effectively. For instance, consider the astonishing case of the 24-year-old woman from China, lacking an entire cerebellum, home to the majority of the brain's neurons. Despite missing this significant chunk, she led a remarkably normal life with few discernible deficits. Nature offers further proof that brain complexity isn't the be-all and end-all. Birds like corvids, with brains not even 1% the size of ours, demonstrate exceptional cognitive feats, from nuanced social interactions to adept tool use? This insight hints that it's not the sheer number of neurons that count, but perhaps the diversity of cell types and the way they are orchestrated. Instead of attempting to chart every single linkage, a task that would stump even the most powerful computers, why not focus on the brain's basic functions? Efforts to distill the brain to understandable elements have borne fruit. Enter the cortical columns. Structures responsible for distinct brain activities and measuring a manageable millimetre across are friendlier to scientific inquiry than an unwieldy ocean of neurons. As we press on, the interaction of these columns could unlock the secrets of neuronal harmony. The path ahead isn't about conquering an inscrutable puzzle but rather embracing the brain as a biological entity that's as decipherable as it is profound. It's a quest not for the faint of heart, but for the keenest of minds, ready to unearth the theory behind the enigma. Part 4. Behind the luminous images, the limitations of modern brain scans. Imagine if the fleeting shimmers of thought, the dance of neurons in the mind, could be visualized, captured as snapshots for us to gaze upon. With today's neuroimaging technologies, particularly functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, it seems we're on the cusp of that tantalizing ability. fMRI operates on a deceptively straightforward principle, relying on the magnetism of iron in our blood to reveal cerebral blood flow. The idea is that when a part of the brain is in use, it lights up on the scan due to increased blood flow. These are the images that often grace the covers of scientific magazines, showcasing brightly colored regions, purportedly the epicenters of our thoughts and feelings. Yet, as it stands, these techniques come with caveats. The key message here is, the shiny images produced by contemporary brain scans can be deceiving. The biggest challenge is precision. The spatial resolution of fMRI images is tethered to the size of blood vessels, which are colossal when juxtaposed with microscopic neurons. Consequently, while fMRI can reveal broader trends in brain activity, it might miss the more discrete hotspots that are equally vital to cognitive processes. Moreover, the subtlety of blood flow changes necessitates a heavy-handed computational approach, refining raw data into digestible images. But here's the rub. Each fMRI image is a statistical collage representing not one, but hundreds of scans overlaid. This aggregation can be riddled with inaccuracies. To illustrate, a study famously showed a supposedly active brain in a deceased salmon, courtesy of statistical processing. Then there's the media, where the subtleties of brain scans become flashpoints for sensational headlines. Recall that 2011 study? linking iPhone usage to love, it centered on activity in the insular cortex, a region of the brain linked to emotions at large, not exclusively love. The study's interpretation outside scientific circles, however, bore little resemblance to these more nuanced findings. As technology progresses, we may one day possess the resolution and clarity to truly read the stories etched in the brain's tapestry. Until that day, Healthy skepticism is your ally when encountering grandiose claims rooted in neuroimaging. Part 5. The Brain-Body Dialogue. Crafting the Symphony of the Self. Imagine a future where immortality is a commodity, a purchase away from eternal life. Your brain, preserved in frosty silence, waiting for the day it can govern a new form. It's a tantalizing thought offered by organizations like the Alcor Life Extension Foundation, which promised to deep freeze your cognitive core for future revival. But this sci fi scenario glazes over a crucial flaw. The identity preserved wouldn't truly be you. Why? Because the essence we call self goes beyond the brain, it's a duet sung with the body. The key message? Our identity is a complex harmony formed by the interaction between our biological brain and our physical body. The brain, often seen as the commander issuing orders from atop the cranial throne, is actually in continuous dialogue with the body. This conversation is mediated by a milieu of signals, blood sugar, hormonal balance, and more. Take the tense moments when danger looms, the blushing cheeks, the racing pulse, the sour twist of the gut. These are not solely the brain's doing, but a result of a duet between the brain's pituitary gland and the adrenal gland perched near your kidneys. Together, they forge the visceral symphony that is the fight or flight response. But the role of the body in shaping us spans further than just our in the moment reactions. It's intricately involved in our very traits and tendencies. A striking example lies in the gut microbiome that, Teeming metropolis of microbes residing in our bellies. Studies such as the one from McMaster University swapping the microbiomes of bold and timid mice reveal that these microscopic denizens can influence behaviors profoundly. This gut brain axis is a shared human experience, a silent player in the theater of our mental health, implicated in stress, anxiety, and depression. It's astonishing how often a gut feeling can be more than a metaphor. And the influences on our minds don't stop there. The environment around us also conducts the symphony of the brain. As we turn to the next section, we'll delve into how the external world, from our surroundings to the people we interact with, shapes the contours of our brains and ourselves. Part six, the world's influence on our inner cosmos. Imagine studying for an exam in a humming cafe, the clatter of cups, and the murmur of conversations all competing for your attention. This scenario uncovers a fundamental truth about our cognition. It's constantly at the mercy of our environment, the key message. The external world shapes every aspect of our inner experiences, from thoughts and emotions to deliberate actions. The bridge between the outside world and our internal cognition is crafted by our sensory organs. Eyes, ears, skin, tongue and nose act as gateways funneling a deluge of sensory data into the brain, in the realm of 10 megabytes per second? To put it in perspective, such an influx of information could overwhelm the hardiest of computers. And each morsel of sensory input nudges our brain's activity, steering the ship of our consciousness. Horace Barlow's research in the 1970s demonstrated just how sensitive our neural network is. A single photon striking the retina can set off a cascade of neural responses. Given that a significant slice of our cortical real estate is dedicated to processing sensory data, it's clear that what happens outside our heads wields substantial power over what unfolds within. The sway these external factors hold over us can profoundly affect our mood, as seen with conditions like Seasonal Affective Disorder or SAD. When daylight wanes, our optic nerves register the change, prompting the brain to churn out melatonin plunging some people into the depths of winter blues. Our ability to focus, too, is swayed by external elements. While we might believe our attention is within our command, it is just as frequently hijacked by external stimuli, a principle underlined every time a sudden noise turns your head. In some, our brains dance to the tunes of the universe around us, echoing the ebb and flow of light, sound, and sensation. As we turn our gaze to the broader implications, it's essential to ponder what this interplay means for society at large, and how appreciating these dynamics can enrich our understanding of human behavior. Part 7 Behavior A Tapestry Woven from Internal and External Threads. On a sweltering morning in August 1966, Charles Whitman ascended the iconic tower of the University of Texas at Austin armed with a rifle, his actions resulting in a tragedy that would claim 18 lives. The motive behind such a heinous act has been debated fiercely, some citing the workings of Whitman's own brain, others considering the circumstances that surrounded him. The key message, to attribute behavior solely to the brain, is to neglect a myriad of external influences that play significant roles. Whitman's autopsy uncovered a tumor pressing against parts of his brain Responsible for emotion regulation, the hypothalamus and the amygdala. Did this biological anomaly seal his fate? Or should we scour his life story, punctuated by a troubled childhood, academic failure, and an unraveling marriage? Perhaps the accessibility of firearms played a part. This tragic story reflects the tension between two psychological paradigms neuroessentialism which holds the brain as the central player in behavior, and behaviorism, which attributes actions to environmental stimuli. The discourse in psychology often vacillates between these perspectives, with the current trend favoring the brain-centric view. Yet, adherence to neuroessentialism alone risks oversimplification. Take the impulsivity of teenagers. While neuroimaging suggests a still-developing prefrontal cortex, Hormones and societal constructs, such as diminished responsibilities, also mold adolescent behavior. To view the brain as the exclusive author of our actions risks missing the rich, multi layered narrative of human behavior. As we proceed, we'll delve deeper into this interplay, exploring how the emphasis on neuroessentialism shapes our understanding of mental health and the services provided to those who struggle with such issues. Part eight, navigating the complexities of mental health beyond the brain. A telltale sniffle, shivers, a throbbing headache, surefire signs of a developing cold and a common physical ailment that carries no shame. Similarly, our view of mental illnesses has evolved. No longer scarlet letters spelling out moral weakness. They're thought of as akin to physical diseases, conditions like schizophrenia or depression are now framed as malfunctions within the brain. This shift towards compassionate medicalization is a leap forward, but it's crucial to be wary of overly simplifying mental illness as merely a brain problem. The key message, an overemphasis on the role of the brain in mental illness can lead to misunderstanding and misdirected treatments. So, what's the downside of seeing mental illness strictly through the lens of neuroessentialism. Firstly, it can inadvertently stigmatize those suffering from psychiatric conditions. The idea of possessing an inherently defective brain can be demoralizing for patients, leading to feelings of being irreparably damaged. Society may also adopt this perspective, fueling discrimination and reinforcing the notion that some individuals are beyond help. This stigma has spawned some dark chapters in history, including the forced sterilization of countless psychiatric patients, justified by the belief that their flawed brains should not be passed on to the next generation. Moreover, insisting on brain-based explanations might cause us to overlook other contributing factors. Consider syphilis. Its later stages bring about dramatic mental symptoms, but these are caused by a bacterium, not a brain disorder. The solution here isn't neurosurgery or psychotherapy, but a simple antibiotic. Lastly, the neuroessentialist lens can blind us to the societal and environmental elements that intertwine with mental well-being. Research indicates that while some conditions have strong genetic underpinnings, others, like depression, bipolar disorder, and anorexia, don't manifest in a vacuum. They're often shaped by life circumstances such as employment status, financial security, and social connectivity. If we aim to address these mental health challenges truly, our strategy must extend beyond individual treatment. We must also tend to the societal factors that cultivate them. Part nine, Neurotech dreams versus reality, deciphering the future of brain enhancement. Picture a future where microscopic machines reconstruct your neural pathways, gifting you fluency in foreign languages overnight. Imagine sending emails with a mere thought or steering your vehicle with the power of your mind alone. Such is the visionary world forecast by transhumanists like Raymond Kurzweil and Michio Kaku, who see a horizon shimmering with the potential of brain hacking. In this context, hacking goes beyond cyber systems. It's about augmenting the brain with tech wonders. Yet, are these futuristic predictions merely castles in the air? While there have been strides in brain machine interfaces, such as enabling a paralyzed individual to control a robotic arm, the utopia promised by transhumanists remains elusive. The key message The lofty guarantees of brain enhancement through neurotechnology are, at present, far from realistic. The concept of brain hacking is tantalized by the allure of the cerebral, fixated on the notion of directly upgrading our grey matter. Yet, such interventions carry risks, and the complexities involved often make external solutions far safer and more pragmatic. After all, why endanger the brain's integrity when tools like calculators serve to amplify our mental acumen without any surgical invasion? Solutions for mobility are also finding their feet outside the realm of invasive neurotechnology. Consider the innovation at Johns Hopkins University where the implementation of targeted muscle re allowed a man without arms to wield robotic ones. No brain surgery, just clever use of peripheral nerves in the chest and shoulders. Moreover, even assuming brain enhancement were to become a widespread reality, ethical and societal questions arise. Who gets to benefit from this neurological leap? Nootropics, substances that may boost cognitive function, are already raising such questions, their high costs making them accessible only to those with deeper pockets. A society stratified by access to cognitive enhancement could spawn new divides and exacerbate existing inequalities. Thus, as we peer into the future, it's vital to consider not just the potential of neurotechnology, but its implications for our collective humanity. Part 10, A Brain in Isolation Missing the symphony of sensory life, enter into a speculative realm where, after an untimely demise, you are granted a shot at digital resurrection. Picture your brain cradled in a vat, suspended in time until technology burgeons forth tools to bring forth your consciousness without your body. When the machine is activated, your mind will journey through a virtually constructed expanse. But here's the pivotal insight. Separated from your body, it's unlikely you'd remain the same. Let's look on the bright side for a moment. This futuristic interface could potentially cater to your every imaginative whim, simulating experiences from serene sunsets to conversations with heroes of yesteryear. Impressions of the Dalai Lama's palace at dusk, or interactions with famed figures could be rendered to your senses. Yet, these virtual delights would lack the most vital ingredient, the body's visceral participation. Stripped of physical reactions, The zest of life's shared experiences would taste bland. How can a mountain's majesty take your breath away when breath no longer fills your lungs? The thrill of navigating wild rapids would fall flat without the syncopated rhythm of your heartbeat or the surge of adrenaline coursing through you. The most sumptuous feast, even with simulated savors, would fall short of true satisfaction without the genuine guttural response. The autonomy over such simulations is double-edged. Your identity is a mosaic made of your environment, the stability of physical spaces, the dynamics of personal relationships, all the things that provide a canvas for the story of you. Robbed of these anchor points, your sense of self would become untethered from reality. Without a tangible context, the mind's ability to find meaning is compromised. Even with state-of-the-art virtual verisimilitude, a vat cannot substitute for the multitudes of the tangible world. Our brains may be prodigious, but they are inexorably woven into our biology. They shine brightest when in resonance with our bodily experiences, and our bodies are forever in dialogue with the world they inhabit. Final Summary Summing up the essence of our insights. It's time to shed the mystical image of the brain, As aught but an ethereal realm of consciousness or a detached infallible processor masterminding our bodily vessel. Instead, embrace the brain for what it truly is an intricate fleshy organ nestled among its peers like the kidney or the heart, decipherable through scientific study. Our sense of self, that rich tapestry we cling to as I, emerges not from the brain alone, it's the product of layered and dynamic interplays between the brain's biological processes, the corporeal form it inhabits, and the boundless world it engages with. Our identity can't be distilled to neural circuits or carved from somatic context. It is a holistic creation, a seamless blend of the cerebral, the physical, and the external.